Welcome back to the Fueled and Well podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to highlight some ways that your clean eating habits may actually be making your health worse by contributing to your missing period. I think this is a really important topic because clean eating is so often praised in our culture, but if you're missing your period, it can be a really, really problematic way to be approaching food. So let's talk about why. So before we dive into the ways that clean eating might be standing in your way when it comes to improving your hormones, getting your period back, improving digestion and energy, I want to tell you a little bit about how I see this show up in the women that I work with in case it resonates with you. So I hear this a lot. I, you know, understand now that not getting my period is a problem. I've seen my labs. I know they're not great. I've decided to cut out the HIIT workouts and the running. And I am eating more, but I'm still not getting my period. And then we talk about what this individual is actually eating. And this is not a specific person's day of eating, but I'm just going to list some common things. Things that I hear on repeat are like egg white and veggie omelets, sweet potatoes, chicken breast and broccoli, salmon and asparagus and avocado for dinner. Things that at face value seem okay, very healthy. Maybe not inherently super low calorie, but they're also not pushing the boundaries of what feels like a safe, comfortable food to eat, and it's keeping them stuck. If that sounds familiar, I think that this episode is going to be really important for you. So let's talk about it. How can clean eating actually be worsening your health outcomes if you are experiencing HA, missing periods, hormone imbalances? I want to start with the caveat of everybody defines clean eating a little bit differently, right? So maybe you aren't doing all of the things that I'm going to discuss here, but there are a lot of tenets of clean eating that tend to show up kind of across the board. So I'm going to try to touch on as many different aspects of this eating style that may be counterintuitive or holding you back as I can today. Number one being A lot of times, clean eating plans and influencers and what I eat in a day's and inspiration that you find for meal ideas online, a lot of times, all of those examples that you're seeing are going to focus pretty heavily on high volume, high fiber, low energy foods. So that's things like really big leafy green salads and finding high volume snacks where you're using you know, stevia and lower calorie flours to make some kind of sweet or air popped snacks like popcorn, really focusing on how do I get the most volume without calories, right? Or with with lower calories. That tends to still be a really, really common piece of the clean eating food choices that I see out there. And the issue with this one is that you are going to make your stomach and therefore your brain believe that you're pretty full before your body's gotten anywhere near the total amount of calories that it needs for that meal or snack. And if you have regular periods or you're not super active or maybe you only eat like this occasionally, that might be okay, right? Filling up on those foods here and there, not going to be a huge problem. But if they're a really big tenant of how you eat, and you are working really hard to recover your period, which requires more energy than baseline, 
more calories than baseline, you can see how pretty quickly those really high volume, high fiber, but low calorie foods are going to be detrimental instead of healthy like they're advertised to be. So that's problem one. Problem two is kind of related. When we see people who are eating really clean, eating excessive amounts of fiber, that can actually be problematic for your estrogen levels. And in women with HA, estrogen tends to be too low, not too high. So there are people for whom adding more fiber can be really, really great if their estrogen is mismanaged because fiber binds to estrogen and removes it from circulation. It basically keeps your body from reabsorbing it when it gets to the end of your digestive system, which can be great if your estrogen is high or something is out of whack there on the other end of the spectrum. However, with the hormonal disturbances that we see in women with HA, typically your reproductive hormones are too low, not too high. So if you are eating really clean, you're eating a ton of kale and Brussels sprouts and foods with added fiber and chickpea pasta instead of, you know, white or wheat pasta, which has like a modest amount of fiber, but chickpea pasta is really, really high. Or, you know, a lot of protein bars with added fiber. If you're doing a ton of that stuff and your reproductive hormones are already lower than they should be because of your HA and all of the systematic stuff that's happening, you might actually be making that worse. Okay, point number three, and this one is a little bit lengthy, but it's really, really important. So stick with me here. Clean eating doesn't always mean lower carb, but for most people, that's what it turns out to be. And so if your diet, because you're so focused on eating clean, ends up being too low in carbs, there's a ton of different ways that that is going to get in the way of your period recovery. So before we even get into the specifics, there's a good amount of research that shows that low-carb diets over time tend to generally be not great for female hormone health. So just kind of as a blanket statement there, and then we can dig into more specifics. One of the big specific concerns, if you do not have your period and you are not eating a lot of carbs, is that gonadotropin-releasing hormone, or GNRH, is a really critical hormone in kind of starting the cascade of other hormones that you need to be released in order to regulate your cycle. And GNRH is influenced by glucose availability. So if you don't frequently have readily available, accessible glucose in your system, it is likely that you're not going to have an appropriate level of GnRH response, which stimulates the release of two other really important hormones, FSH and LH, which you've probably heard me talk about before. And those two are really crucial in terms of regulating different phases of your menstrual cycle. For a lot of women with HA, either their FSH and LH are both low or the ratio of those two hormones is off. And that keeps your body struggling to regulate its cycles. So if we can kind of backtrack and think what is one of the ways that we can more appropriately regulate or stimulate FSH and LH, making sure you've got enough glucose for that GnRH activity is a really, really great place to start. Next, carbohydrates are shown in a lot of different studies to help with reducing cortisol levels. Not everyone with HA is going to have high cortisol, but it is pretty common. 
And we know, obviously, that cortisol is a stress hormone and is going to keep your body in more of that fight-or-flight response, which is not conducive to reproductive health if you're in that mode all of the time. So especially in the morning when cortisol levels tend to be kind of on the higher end for the day, making sure you're getting in adequate carbohydrates can really, really support your body from that nervous system side of things as well. Additionally, when you're consuming those carbohydrate-rich foods, there are some links to other brain chemicals like tryptophan and serotonin, both of which have a positive influence on mood, emotions, and sleep quality. So there's a lot of ways that adequate carbohydrate intake is going to support you on the mental health or neurological side of things, which can get overlooked if we're so focused on physical recovery. But that mental side of things and your nervous system response is a really, really important part in your body feeling safe enough to have those regular periods again. So don't discredit the fact that there's more of like a neurological effect in that way as well. It's not just about the physical side of your body needing carbs. And then finally, when we see people leaning a little bit lower in carb, especially with clean eating, they tend to end up consuming diets that are higher in fats and proteins, which can be lovely, right? Like those foods have so many benefits for us too. However, proteins and fats are both going to satiate you, make you feel full, make you feel satisfied more quickly than those carb-based foods. And again, kind of like the first point I made at the top of the episode, the name of the game isn't how quickly can I feel full or how can I feel full on the least amount of calories, which used to be like my MO personally. So if you're there, I remember it. I feel you. The goal is how can I meet my calorie needs and actually give my body enough fuel to recover before I feel uncomfortably full? Because that can be a part of recovery if you aren't eating strategically. And that's something we actually spend a lot of time in in my coaching program, Period Recovery Breakthrough. How do we make sure that eating is typically, we're not going to hit it every single time, but how do we make sure that eating is most of the time an enjoyable experience where you don't leave feeling stuffed and super bloated and so physically uncomfortable just for the sake of recovery? Because honestly, that sucks and it's going to get old quick. And having strategy behind how you're eating can be a really, really great way to make recovery a little bit more physically comfortable. So again, low carb tends to mean you're filling up more on proteins and fats, which can be satiating you a little bit too early and just making you feel like, I must be eating enough. I feel plenty full, but you're filling up a little bit quicker because of the composition of your meals, essentially. Okay, two more big points here, and then we'll take it home. Clean eating often means you are fearful of or actively going out of your way to avoid processed foods. And this was probably the thing about clean eating that took hold for me the hardest and took the longest for me to shake. And here's the thing about this concept of like needing to make everything from scratch and it needs to all be whole foods and we can't be using things from packages. If you are a busy human, Maybe you have a full-time job. Maybe you have kids. Maybe you're juggling school and work. I don't know. Maybe you just want to have a robust social life or you have a bunch of hobbies. <laughs> there's just not. There's only so much time in the day. And at a certain point, trying to make everything from scratch to keep it as clean as possible 
is going to make it so much harder for you to eat enough food without especially it taking over your life or chewing into free time that you don't have or costing you sleep. There's just only so much time to work on this stuff. And being able to utilize some of those processed foods to better meet your body's needs without spending hours and hours every day in the kitchen or your whole Sunday prepping things from scratch because you can't buy store-bought hummus because I don't know what that ingredient is, you can see how very quickly that will spiral and make it harder for you to eat enough. And there's plenty of different foods that when I work with clients, we start to normalize so that you can reach your energy needs easier with less time, with less worry, with less feelings of overfullness, less time in the kitchen. Things like bars and dips and spreads and on-the-go hummus and pretzels and bagels, which like, my God, I deprived myself of bagels for so many years, but what an easy way to get a quick, delicious 60 grams of carbs at a snack or part of your breakfast. And I know like that list of foods even might sound like, oh my God, that's terrifying. Like none of those things are things I let myself have right now. But imagine if just a few of those were able to come back into your rotation And you were able to spend less time thinking about and preparing food because you were able to trust that your body knows what to do with foods, even if they come from a package. And then you meet your body's physical needs and you get to move on. That took me a long time to come to terms with. But once I did, mm, there was a huge shift. And then lastly, clean eating often is going to require a lot of mental energy as compared to either eating intuitively or eating with some strategic guidelines like the ones that you get in my period coaching program. And that can burn you out. Having to think about this stuff all the time and look at all of the nutrition facts labels and read or Google all of the ingredients and go back and forth questioning if this is clean enough and Every time an influencer that you follow who subscribes to clean eating decides to demonize a new ingredient, now you got to go through your pantry and see what you need to toss. Like that whole kind of like never enough or I'm never quite confident here because it's always changing. There's always a moving target. Like that takes up so much more mental and emotional energy than you might even realize now because you're just used to it. I remember when I moved away from that clean eating focus and started to eat more intuitively, I was shocked by how much mental and emotional bandwidth I got back. And feeling like you are thinking about food constantly and then also layering on the pressure of, I know not having my period is harming my health. Like, I know I need to deal with this. You're just doubling down on how much you're thinking about this stuff and how anxious you are. When in reality, if we could just break that association with clean eating and see food differently, you would get so much time and effort back. You would be able to minimize your anxiety. You would be able to eat more confidently and just keep it moving, right? Go on with your day because food shouldn't rule your life. It's no fun. It's not actually making you healthier in the long run. That's something I really love too about my coaching program is that we give you some strategic guidelines for eating 
so that you don't feel lost, right? You don't feel like I'm just trying to eat intuitively and I have no idea if this is enough and I don't know what's going on. Like that's exhausting, right? So having more specific support and therefore you're able to get some of that time and that worry back so that you can put it somewhere that actually matters more is a game changer, a game changer. So I hope that this episode was helpful. I know clean eating and like saying I'm going to eat clean or I'm going to do Whole30 or I'm going to, you know, go sugar and dairy and gluten-free and all these things. I know how popular those approaches are. And I know how weird it might feel to be listening to an episode that's like, that's not a great idea for you. (laughs) But if you are struggling to get your period back and you're still trying to prioritize or figure out how to make clean eating a part of that journey, I would highly recommend that you think twice about it, that you look at it with a little bit more critical of an eye because all the beautiful, healthy, whole, fresh foods in the world aren't going to help you recover your period if you are standing in your own way with things like too much fiber, too many low-calorie foods, too many food rules, too many food fears, not going out to eat, not eating any convenience foods that help you meet your calorie needs. If that's what it's creating for you, it's not actually healthy for you. Last thing before we go, if you are listening to this episode the week that it goes live, I would love for you to consider joining Period Recovery Breakthrough, which is my 12-week coaching program where we take you through everything you need to know from a nutrition, exercise, stress management, body image, and weight gain side of things so that you can confidently nourish yourself back to regular periods and stop wondering if you're doing it right, right? Stop questioning yourself. Stop going back and forth. Stop going back on the diet every time you feel a little bit uncomfortable in your body. We address all of that. And if you're listening when this episode goes live, our kickoff call is on Tuesday, April 11th. It is recorded though, and you can join the group up until the end of the week. So Friday, April 14th. If that is of interest to you, DM me on Instagram. We can talk about it more, or you can apply to the program right here at the link in the show notes. I really hope that if you're struggling with this, I see something from you, whether it's a DM or an application or even just subscribing to the podcast so that I know you're getting some kind of support. And if you are interested in PRB, just check out the links in the show notes. I think that's all I have for you. And I will see you next week. 